News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, you're listening to Rick Van Davendek and Jill Van Davendek. Jay's, Jay's off today. He's at the Majestic Car Show showing off his car there at, in Regina today. And uh, so uh, Jill and I will be... Uh, steering the ship. So, uh, back at it, aren't back you? At it. Behind the controllers, Rick. So, now I have to get back used to using all these computers again. So, <laughs> and what a beautiful day it is. What a Looking beautiful day. out May- at the river right now. The sun's shining. It's, it's going to be a gorgeous day. And it's May 1st. May 1st. We're officially in the spring season as yep. far as the garden centers go. Yeah, exactly. So, you, if you want to give us a call, 1 877 You can do that by calling or texting at 1 877 Five five. Well, this week um, you probably noticed I wasn't here last week, and uh, we had uh, a sad time for the family and for Dutch Growers. Um, my mother, the co-founder of Dutch Growers Garden Center, uh, passed away last Sunday. And yeah, it was it was a great week of us being able to um, give tributes to Oma and um, be able to to honor the legacy that she's left behind for us. So I just want to read a little poem. Um, for her about, it's called My Mother Kept a Garden. My mother kept a garden, a garden of the heart. She planted all the good things and gave my life a start. She turned me to the sunshine and encouraged me to dream, fostering and nurturing the seeds of self-esteem. And when the winds and rain came, she protected me enough, but not too much because she knew I need to stand up strong and tough. Her constant good example always taught me right from wrong, markers for my pathway that will last a lifetime long. I am my mother's garden. I am her legacy. And I hope today she feels the love reflected back to me. Yeah, I know. It was, um, we had, on Wednesday, we had uh, her memorial service and, uh, and it, was a, it was a great time of re- reflection and, and celebration of her life. And uh, it was, um, yeah, there was a, there was a lot of memories happening and um it was it was quite something and then and then she uh was able to get her her last ride um we actually um back in 1953 i, re- I restored the old 53 truck that mom and dad bought in in uh to start the business with in the very first vehicle they ever had and they uh, didn't even have their driver's license when they bought that nope, vehicle nope, when they, they came didn't. over to Canada. They had to get their driver's license and after that, basically when they bought the truck. And so we uh mom got her last ride with my me and my dad driving in the truck. My mom was in the back of the truck and we drove by the garden center off to the the cemetery and uh it was a good time. It was uh it was uh, just a time of uh of reflection and celebrating her life and uh she will be missed. Yeah, and Oma, um, a lot of people, she, she was kind of a quiet, very humble lady, but she was firm, strong, and had a lot of grit. And uh, being one of the co-founders of Dutch Corps, she kind of was a behind-the-scenes person a little bit, but she is the one who ran that ship. Yeah. And um, Boy, she steered the ship she for sure. She steered the ship for, <laughs> for sure. And kind of like my mom, Kim, and um, behind the scenes, hard, hard worker, and um, is definitely, we can attribute a lot of that um, work ethic to Oma. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a story she talked, talked about a lot, and when, 
back in the 50s, uh, my dad got sick in the spring and she was working out there taking care of the kids and also shipping a lot because we shipped a lot of Manchurian Elms back in those days. And uh, she was doing the shipping and everything else and dad was out for what she called a, uh, she called a man flu or I think he actually had a thyroid issue by that time. But uh, anyways, and she finally said after two weeks, she went into the house and says, went to my dad and says, you're cured. Get out there and work. And dad got out of there. Because I got think they of... told him he had to rest for a certain yeah. period of time. Yeah. And she was like, you're better. So you're better. Get you're out cured. <laughs> Matt, great. chapter one, this is you're cured. Get out there and help. <laughs> well, we definitely almost uh, in our hearts and yeah. in our minds right yes. now. And Opa, um, what a love story that was. Oh, the two absolutely. Of them. And it's just, it's just amazing to see those two um grow together and run a business together and thrive together and they prayed together they worked together they raised a family together they traveled together i don't think there was a day they spent apart in yeah, their they're married years. for married for 69 years but they were together they were childhood sweethearts so they were together for 75 years it's been through, been through the war and uh, both immigrated to Canada. And uh, when they first came to Canada, they didn't know how to speak English, had to learn the language and start a business and uh, worked very hard to build it to what it is. It's a legacy that they left for us that uh, that we just keep moving on with Jill and my daughter, Nikki, now running the business and also as well. And um it's um yeah it's quite a legacy that she's left behind yeah and the the dutch girls in regina as well too with karen and yeah. tim and and their three boys um down there too it's a it's another branch of dutch girls yeah. that's kind of been left behind so as we think remember oma and your mom um it's mother's day coming up yes and so we're next we're going, weekend next weekend and it's it's crazy to think that mother's day is here already i feel like we just had snow on the ground and now we're like in the weekend that truly like kicks off spring and brings people into the garden center and um and we have a lot of times we get to celebrate uh mothers and a lot of times those are with gifts for mother's day for their garden or um uh, getting the get adding that beauty into their yard that they can enjoy all summer long well, you know, we got now the Mother's Day's coming up. I mean, there's lots of gifts you can get for your Mother's Day, and there's always the hanging baskets, which seem to be the big one all over the place. Now, there's garden centers right across Saskatchewan, so there's every little town has a either a little greenhouse or one set up in the next town over. So uh, there's lots of greenhouses that you can check things out, and with the hanging baskets or plants or or gift certificates and those kind of things. Uh, but you can give us a call at one 332 by calling our text. We have one text here, Jill, and it says, Good morning. Is it too early to dethatch the lawn, Colleen, in Saskatoon? No, as long as it's dry enough, uh, you can dethatch the lawn as long as, because if it's, if it's really moist, so maybe down by Regina, they still had, they got rid of snow later, or Saskatoon, we didn't have as much snow. Uh, I just have to watch that the north side of the houses, uh, that the lawn is a little bit drier, so it's not really wet, so it doesn't rip up the roots. But otherwise, yes, you can start dethatching the lawn now and getting things ready to go. And and now with the weather the way it is, if you haven't uncovered your perennials and and roses and those kind of things, now is the time to get that done as well. And and if you didn't trim down your perennials, now is the time to clean them right before they start growing. Start to clean them right down to the ground, and uh, so that you get rid of all that old old leaves and branches and everything else from those perennials and get them cleaned up. And if the snow's gone, take that burlap off those cedars. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Now's the time you can take the, as long as the, the ground is thawed out, I always say. So, um, 
So make sure you stick a probe, like a piece of rebar in, and as long as the ground is, doesn't have any frost in it, then the roots can take up moisture. Mm-hmm. If the ground is still frozen, then the top can still dehydrate, especially That's with true. this hot sun. So just make sure that the ground is, is, is thawed out and then you're, you're good to go. So, um, another question I had here, Jill, is, uh, listening to your program, uh, about, um, What's the want to know what kind of water to use for house plants? Mm. Now, there's uh, they wanted to know uh, how long to let it sit around. Now, some municipalities are using chlorine, and some municipalities are not using chlorine, they're using other type of disinfectants. And so, the best way I find right now is that because a lot of people don't know, is use rainwater or snow water to water, or use uh, uh, like uh, reverse osmosis water, it takes everything out of the water so it doesn't burn the tips of your leaves and those kind of things. That's the probably the best way to do it is just doing that Um, because sometimes just letting water sit out obviously with these different types of things they're using to disinfect the water uh, it's not going to evaporate like chlorine used to evaporate so just best to use uh, like I said using um, uh, just distilled water or bottled water or rain water is actually is best in in those kind of things so so you can do that and just... Um, um, but you can use tap water too. Just just know that if you're getting that little tiny bit of burning on the tips, that's usually what's causing it. Yeah. And that's completely natural and, and normal. So don't be freaked out. Don't think that you're doing something wrong. You'll be okay. We're going to take a break right now for a commercial break. So you're listening to Garden Talk with Rick and Jill Van Davendijk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Fedavidek, my daughter Jill joining us here today. And uh, you know what, Jill, we're going to get right to the phone calls. And uh, give us a call, though, at one 332 That's one 332 And that's the phone calls or the text. That same number will do them both. But we're going to go to Elaine in Spring Valley. Good morning, Elaine. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. And first of all, my sympathies to you and your family, but it sounds like you had the blessing of a wonderful mom and an Oma. Yeah, she what was. A, what a beautiful tribute that was to not, her. 91 years old. My, my, yeah. my, my dad's still around. My going to be 100 this month. So. <laughs> Amazing legacies. I think they made them better in those days. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> and my dad's 92. He's still still alive. So, and, uh, so yeah, it's just amazing. Wonderful. Anyway, uh, Rick, I had left a message at Dutch Growers in Saskatoon on Friday, so you won't need to, to answer that. Okay. I was able to talk to you today. Uh, a rose cherry tree yes. was developed up in Saskatoon. Yep. Uh, I don't know how many years. I haven't checked that. A, but a lot. A long time ago. It, it's old now, yep. but it, it never has bloomed for me, but it grew after you told me how to amend the soil. Yes. But yesterday I was very sad to see signs of seepage and weeping from some uh, trim areas uh, that I did long ago and a, a crack down on the bark about four or five inches from the ground. Does that tree have to be cut down or is there anything I can do for it? Yeah, you know what? It means it has a virus in it now, okay? Yeah, that's what I was afraid of. Yeah, so if it's weeping like that, it's got a virus and it's trying to push that, by weeping, it's trying to push that virus out. It's trying yeah. to get rid of it, okay? So anything I could put on the outside is not going to help? No, it's not going to help. So what you can do, though, I mean, you can trim that right, basically right down. It'll come back again. Well, so. see, there there was an Evans uh, tree on on the lawn on the same about maybe twenty twenty five feet from it. Yes, and I had cut that right down, but it has come up with shoots, and I didn't trim that. Do you think that the virus migrated over from there? Uh it it could have absolutely could have. 
and because uh, it it'll, it comes from other cherry trees or 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 choke cherry trees, right? The, what about the flowering crab? There's a flowering crab on that same area. No, no, it won't be. It won't affect it. There, it's molding the in the prunus family, so the plum family. So I better check if that flower. I think it's a flowering crab. Not a. There is. There are flowering plums too, aren't? There? Yeah, yeah, like the like the choke cherry, like the super choke cherries and yes. those kind of things. Yeah, absolutely. I will have to check what it is for sure. But anyway, thank you. I, I was afraid. Yeah, <laughs> it was bad. But it will come up it was, when you cut it off. It will come up from from the bottom, and then you just have to prune it up into one trunk or multiple trunks, whatever you want to do. And, and that won't be infected by. Well, the no, because if you cut it down now, it's not going to go right. As long as the the stem is not infected at the bottom, you might be able to cut that infection out, oh. right? And then it'll come back from the base again. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you again, Rick. You're welcome. Thanks so much. God bless you. Thank guys. you. Bye bye. Okay, so we're gonna go. We're gonna go right to uh, Trent and Lipton. Good morning, Trent. Good morning. Um, yeah, my question is: I have some lilacs that were big bushes. I cut them down. Yep. I didn't like where they were, so I moved them over. Um, like um, they were, all the stumps were pulled out. Yep. And what I used was the shoots that were kind of growing from the old roots for the new plants. Yep. They're not doing worth a darn. Um, it's been three years, and there's still just little sticks that are about knee high. Okay. They're not bushing out or sending up new shoots like I was expecting. Did you did you have you been fertilizing? Yeah, yeah. Every three I've just been using Miracle Grow. Yeah, um, I'm not sure exactly what number it is. Yeah, but... the, do, if you use the the one that has a higher number, like there's there's a whole bunch of Miracle Grow numbers. Okay, so right. a lot of the Miracle Grows are 15, 30, 15. But if you uh-huh. go one that's more like between 24 and 30 as the first number. And do that every three weeks from from basically about now, you know, the, f- the first week in May up until uh, about July the 15th, every three right. weeks. And that big tree, you can give it at least five gallons of water mixed with that fertilizer. Okay? Okay. And at least that much, okay? Around the drip, what, what would have been the drip line of the tree, because that's where the roots would have been, okay? The, the feeder roots, not right at the trunk. Okay. Right. So, well, so, well, all all they are sticks about the size of a pencil. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then. <laughs> okay. So then. Yeah. That's right. Because these are just little plants right now, right? And they haven't grown. Yeah, so yeah, you're yeah, not going to give it five just, gallons. You're not going to give it five gallons. <laughs> I was thinking about you move the stumps, but yeah, you just move oh. the sticks. So you're yeah. only going to be giving about a, a four liters of water per plant then. Okay. Each time. Okay. Okay. And and that'll work. Mix it with that, and every three weeks, and then that should get them growing like crazy. Okay, thanks. Okay, you're welcome. All right. Have a good day. Um, we have here, we're going to, Jill, we got a, a text we're going to do right now. Is it, um, um, love your tri- tribute, it says. Um, I'm looking to transplant some little, uh, some, uh, let's see, I've got some morning glories, Jill. She said from seed, they're eight inches tall, looking looking weedy. So they're all, you know, all over the place. I will transplant it from little peat pots too. Other tips? How soon can I put them out and uh, use a little bit of wind like sunlight to help them out? So she has them inside. They're a little bit leggy. Mm-hmm. When can she, what can she start doing to get them ready to go outside? Well, right now the temperature is above five degrees during the day. So you put them out during the day, bring them back in at night. You want to give them as much sunlight as possible. So if you even want to put a grow light on them a little bit when you bring them inside, that would be fantastic. And the grow light can go quite close to the plant. 
You can put a little fan inside that room, not blowing directly on the plant, but just in the area, and that will help to give sturdier too. And once you get a second set of leaves on those morning glories, you can give them a trim as well. And what that will do is it'll allow branching and bushing, and you'll have a sturdier plant. Okay, perfect. Here's another caller from uh, Jean from Regina. Uh, Rick, you might be able to comment on the variety of hascaps and blackberries that you would do well in Regina. Has, uh, hascaps, there's quite a few different varieties out there. There's uh, the the Borealis series and Aura, and you have to just make sure that uh, that when you go to the garden center to pick them up, get two varieties that com- that compete with each other. Cause some of them don't. There's a pollinator and a non-pollinator. So you just have to ask when, because I'm not sure in Regina which in, that the garden center you go to. Just make sure that you get two or they're the same that that match because there's a whole bunch of different varieties, like a lot of them now. So and you need so, two that are the same or two sorry, that are different. Two that are different. Okay. Sorry, two that are different. So make sure that, but they they they're compatible to each other. Okay. Okay, because there's some that aren't compatible to each other. So you have, you have to be good pollinators. And also, uh, she's asking about blackberry. The only blackberry that does very well around Saskatchewan is one called Chester, and you still need to mulch it in the fall. So if you're looking for a blackberry, you have to use Chester blackberry, and then you still need to mulch it. Now so, a lot of people don't know what hascaps are. So hascaps are. I call them honeyberries too. Mm-hmm. They're they're, the University of Saskatchewan, Dr. Bob Boers has done a lot of work with hascaps here and developed a lot of different, these different varieties. And what they are is they're, they're some, I, I'd say they're a berry that, uh, that tastes between myself. I think it tastes between uh, a blueberry and uh, probably, um, uh, I would think a current type of taste in between those two. Blueberry and a choke cherry. Yeah, they're a bit long, all long and oblong. Mm -hmm. They they flower early and they produce at the end of June. They're really early, and I find you because the robins and and the and and the waxwings like them a lot. You gotta you gotta you gotta net them as well. Put a net around them. The other thing is, lots of people will make hascap jam, or they'll actually add it to some wines or different things like that too. They're awesome, and they produce early, so you can put hascaps for producing in June. You can go with the Saskatoons for July and sour cherries for for August, and you have a whole round out of different fruits in your yard. And they make a great shorter hedge. So if you have an area around a deck or something like yes. that that you want to cover you, it's a great short hedge for you it's a honeysuckle it's that comes from the honeysuckle family so very hardy does very well here and uh, will produce like crazy you just have to keep the birds away because you'll see the the once the birds find them you'll see the tree just shaking the birds are saying berries in june yes so well i love the conversations that are having here remember to give us a call or a text i think we're going to go to a break here yep. right away one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to go to news break right now. You're listening to Rick Van Davendek and Jill Van Davendek on with Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Jill Van Davendek and Rick Van Davendek answering all your questions about your gardening and indoor gardening, outdoor gardening. And it's May. Jill, yeah, so. so whether you're getting your yard cleaned up, you're noticing some perennials, you're trying to figure out what's bugging you, you yep. have some house plants inside, something's happening with them, you want to know the name of a variety or how to care for it, call us or text exactly. us. Last week you had a caller asking about whether they could use horticultural oil, is that correct? Yeah, they were wanting about dormant oil and, yep. and they were using it for funguses and then we had, they also wanted to know if it also treated um, bugs like aphids and yep. I didn't have the box in front of me so I didn't want to give um, yep. advice that yep. I wasn't 100% sure of, so let's answer that. Right now, horticultural oil or or dormant oil works great for actually uh, suppressing even insect eggs. So your egg, aphids lay eggs in the fall, and in the summertime they actually give birth. They don't lay eggs, but they lay eggs in the fall. So if you coat the the uh, the uh, the plant 
stems, but you have to do it. It's like called dormant oil or horticulture oil. You have to do it, it be while the plant is dormant. So before they so bud out. Before what? they bud out. So it has to be done really quick because this mm-hmm. next week they're talking about in the 20s. Uh, so everything's just going to go poof in your yard and you can't use that yeah, anymore. I know in Alberta, some of the trees have budded out already. Yeah, and so, uh, so we're, we're just yeah. shortly behind them. Yeah, so you can only use it on dormant plants, plants that don't, their buds haven't broken yet. Uh, we're going to, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is by calling or texting. We're going to get right to the line here. We have Gene, Paul, Morris, and Carol in the line here. So we're going to go right through and get this all done here. Gene and Regina, you have a question for us. Hi, Rick and Jill. Yes, I do. Uh, My daughter has a Easter or Christmas cactus. It's at least 40 years old. It possibly could be 60. Now, recently, it has not bloomed a lot. So she's wondering if she should transplant it. And if she does, what kind of soil, fertilizer, uh, any particular instructions for doing it? Yeah, absolutely. You can transplant it. Make sure you don't go up too big a pot size, though. So you want to go about two inches maximum in diameter when you transplant that. Um, you can look at the root system. If there's any roots that are looking like they're brown, kind of rotten, moldy, you can pull those off. Um, and the other thing, too, is you want to use a cactus soil. So it's a mixture of soil. It's got a little bit more perlite, actually almost a little bit of grit and sand in it. So you can you can plant it in that. Now, to get it to bloom, too, so um, putting the cactus through a little bit of shock will actually help it um rebloom again. So what you're doing right now is transplanting it. You can also sort of move it into a cooler area for a little or, bit. Or just if you have a window, because the nighttime temperature is still pretty cool and also just doesn't, well, you don't want to freeze, but you can crack a window open with the plants near a window and then that cool nighttime temperatures, you know, like if it's down around minus five, oh no, no minus, sorry, not minus. No, it's not minus. don't want to do that. Don't say that. <laughs> plus five, plus five or six and that kind of stuff. Those cool evening air uh, will actually help it to set up set a bloom as well. But you're not wanting to do that like for a very long period of yeah. time. It's maybe for one night. Give it a little bit of cool, then put it back into the sunlight. Um, and then if you want to fertilize it, there's um, some great cactus fertilizers that you can use. Um, if you want to give it a little bit of half strength of a, a blooming annual fertilizer, you can do that too. But I would only do that that one small application. And I usually do that when it, it, when we have a little bit more sunlight outside. So right now when you're transplanting it, I wouldn't really worry about that. Um, just give it some mild fertilizer and uh, you should be successful. It might take a little bit for, for you to get this, this guy to, to rebloom for you. It sounds like he's old and has been in the family for many years. So um, good luck with that. But and definitely take, take some of the little trimmings off the ends and actually have some other pots while you're transplanting and put some more in the little pots. Just stick the ends uh, of those trimmings into the pot and you'll, you'll start some new plants again as well. You can start handing them off to other generations too. Actually, this cactus did belong to uh, my daughter's really good friend, her mother. And her she doesn't know how long her mother even had this plant. But it's just gorgeous, and it's so large. Yep. And she doesn't want to lose it, so she was a little leery about transplanting it yep. because she didn't want to do the wrong thing. Yep. So this will be really, really helpful. We'll let you know what happened. Good. Yeah, <laughs> please do. We'd love to hear. Have a great day. And we got Paul in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. Hey, welcome back, Rick. Hi, Joe. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, speaking of bugs, I had my first wood tick the other day. Oh, oh is no. that right? <laughs> yeah, the cat brought it in, I guess. <laughs> it is the season. It is the season. Oh, um, my question is, uh, I picked up an aeration kit. Yep. 
I have like these very large, you know, 55-gallon barrels yep. that I used to have my rainwater and stuff in. Yep. And they were getting stagnant last year, so I got this aeration kit. I was just wondering, how long do I have to run these things? Like, well, aerate it like a 55-gallon barrel. If it's indoors, just leave it running all the time. Oh, you there? Oh, okay. But just, what just about like, outdoors? Just uh, outdoors uh, is not as much because you'll get movement with air and everything else. But uh, but if it's outdoors, you if it's you may want to if you don't want it to go stagnant at all, um, then you're best to uh, either two ways is that run your air, your aeration kit, run it all the time because if it's you know that you only got a certain space on the top of a barrel that's open to the air or some of them are closed, right? Yeah. I'm not sure if yours are closed or not. Mine are wide open. But I put like, screens over top. To yeah, but I mean. Mosquitoes. In nature, I mean, what happens is that, you know, the wind blows the, you know, the waves and everything else, it, it naturally aerates, right? But you've got a closed system with just a small top. Uh, if you want to keep that, that water um, not going stagnant, you're best to run that aeration all the time. So like in my greenhouse, which I have a barrel in my greenhouse, yep. I should just keep that going all the time? Just keep it going all the time, just like a fish aquarium, no different. Oh, okay. okay. No different. More power, you know. Yep. This is getting more and more. You know, I started my plants in February. Um, my power bill was $300. Yep. This month is $310. You know, it, it's getting very, very expensive right. to... Um, yeah, well, that aerator, you can also find one that, that runs on 12 volts and just put a little solar panel up and it'll run during the day. Oh. That'll work too, right? Isn't that sweet, eh? Start using the sun. Because you don't need yeah. very much. You don't need very much to make it go. So no, uh, I mean, that no. might work as well. No, they're small little, air, you know, stones. Yep. There's yep. four of them with yep. very long cords on them. Yep. So try that. We'll have a great day, Paul. Will do. Thank okay. you very much for your time, you guys. You too. Take care. And we have here, we have uh, Morris in Hendon. Good morning, Morris. Yeah. I got the gladiolas with little round balls in the bottom. What are they for? Are they any good or what? The gladiol bulbs, they have they have little uh, little bulbs in the bottom of them, you said? Yeah, they look like uh, bees, grown up bees or something. Okay, so the, the question for you is, um, did you, are these ones you've, you've saved over from years past or are these new ones? Yes. So what happens then is that you just got a little... Two things you have with them. Sometimes they'll just get a growth from the soil, okay? okay. And that's not a problem at all, okay? They'll, they'll be fine. And then also they'll put a, sometimes a little bulblet off as well, okay? So, uh, but uh, most likely uh, the, what you're having is not going to be a problem. You can plant them out and you'll have no problems with them. It's just a, it's a natural thing. We started them now. Yep, well, perfect. Yeah, definitely. Start them in the house, put them in the house. Definitely, once they start growing, don't put them out till our nighttime temperatures are sitting around yep. 5 degrees. Yep. Hey, them little balls, will they grow? Some of them will grow, yes, absolutely. Oh. I would say they, I'd wait for them to get about a third the size of the ball before you separate them, though. Yeah. So you might want to you might want to hang on to them yet, and then then when you dig them up next fall, then, yeah. then re- remove them, and then you can plant them out the following year. Oh, okay. Okay. You're welcome. And we have here, we have Carol in Battleford. Good morning, Carol. Yes. My daughter has two sour cherry trees, a Juliet and a Romeo. Okay. She's got them planted, and when she bought them, they were about three to four feet tall, and and they're four years old, and they haven't grown. They leaf out every year. Across the back, there are a few evergreens, 
and then there's an odd purple choke cherry or whatever you call it. So how much sun are they getting? Well, they face the east. Yep. Because they, they like lots of sun. Okay, so the and more sun you can get them, the better they'll do. And if they're too close to the spruce trees, then what happens is that they're robbing moisture from the... If, I don't know how far away they are from the spruce trees, but uh, but they rob moisture and nutrients, okay? So one thing you have to think about is that where the location is, you might have to move them to a place where they're, you know, they're out into more sun, or otherwise you need to actually fertilize them more often and watch the watering so you keep them moist. Not wet, they don't like to be wet at all, just moist. Okay. And you might have to fertilize them more to get them growing. Once you, once they get growing up, you don't want to fertilize them very much at all because they won't produce very well. But to get them growing, uh, use a, a 20-20-20 or a 30-10-10, any one of those ones to get them, to get them uh, growing this year. And do it. put about, uh, about a half a liter to a liter of water mixed with the fertilizer and do that every three weeks from now until the middle of July and then stop. Okay. Okay, that'll get them growing. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. Bye-bye. That takes us to a break, Jill. We're gonna, you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. You're listening to Jill Van Damdijk and Rick Van Damdijk. We're going to hear for all your gardening questions. We are into May now, so there's lots of questions out there. Uh, the phone lines are open for you at one 332 And also the text lines, we have quite a few we're going to take care of right now at one 332 You can do both the, the call or text with the same number. So, Jill, we have, we're going to take a bunch of texts here right now. Good morning. My name is Kathy. We live in Radisson. What's the best kind of sour cherry tree to plant? One thing nice about sour cherries is they're, they're self-pollinating. So you don't need two. Like most fruit trees you need, they will pollinate themselves. And, uh, some of the, some of the sour cherries that work good around here, they're all, all developed at the University of Saskatchewan. So, uh, is, is the, um, is this, uh, the romance series it's called. And so you got Crimson Passion. It's probably the sweetest one. The bush is not quite as aggressive. It's more smaller and, and takes a little longer to get growing up. But that one probably, I think, is probably has the most, most for sour cherry, it probably is one of the sweeter ones. But like I said, the bush isn't as aggressive. Uh, but one I like is Juliet. That's a great one. Lots, tons of cherries and great cherry, great for making pies and jams and those kind of stuff. Another one is Valentine is very good and, and one is also Romeo. So there's a few of them there that will do very well for you, produce lots of cherries for you and, uh, and they'll, they, they'll produce in the end of July and into August. That's when they usually produce and they just give you tons of fruit. Now I had a lot of cherries actually come through the till yesterday. Um, our tills actually went down for a little bit. So oh. I was up at the front. Um, but, uh, People were asking questions like in, in line, they were talking to each other and kind of educating each other. And one of the questions they said, okay, I really want a cherry tree. How much space will, do I need for a cherry well, tree in my yard? That's a good question uh, because a cherry tree will get about six to eight feet tall. Okay. Okay. And at least the same width. Now, don't forget, sour cherries will tend to sucker a little bit. Okay. And they don't send a shoot away f- far away, but they just keep getting sucker and get wider and wider. So, I mean, one the bush will probably get... Uh, anywhere from six to ten feet wide eventually, but you can keep it trimmed in if you don't want the suckers to keep coming out. Okay, so I okay. need about six to ten feet wide. Yeah, and you can put berries in the ground mm-hmm. at the beginning, and then it won't grow past that. And okay? probably a south or west exposure. The more sun, the better. Okay, awesome. And I need two of them to be able to produce fruit. Nope. 
No, Not with the, those they're ones. Self, they're self-pollinating. That's okay. what's so nice about That's the sour great. cherries. They're, they're great for doing that. So also, uh, also, Jill, we have good morning. We're cleaning up our garden. I put, uh, can I put tomato stalks, et cetera, into mulch compost area? That's the first question. And will they break down with other compost materials, veggies, food scraps, et cetera? So Irene from Martinsville. So absolutely, you can put tomatoes. Only thing you got to watch for any plant that you might get, uh, like a tomato late blight or any fungals on them. If you know they've had late blight, do you, that has to be bagged in the garden while it's still rooted in the garden. Bag it and then pull it out if it does and goes right into the garbage. Because all those spores, even just yanking it under the ground and walking across your garden, you're spreading those spores all over your garden, right? So if you have late blight, uh, if you just look it up, if you want to know what late blight is, it'll turn all the leaves of black to black and brown. And a whole plant will just wither and die, and even your tomatoes will turn black as well. So um, you'll know if you have late blight, okay? Yes. But otherwise, all your scraps, yes, you can put into the compost. And then make sure you're turning your compost bin so that you're getting some of the Absolutely. mixing it up, and then you can use the stuff at the bottom. People ask me about compost is that what's the best way? Never put a ton of one thing at one time. You know, you go out and bag your, your grass clippings and you dump all your grass clippings into at once, then it'll take a long time for it to break down. Put layers, layer of grass, layer of, uh, you know, your vegetable stuff, with some leaves, put a little layer of topsoil because all the bacteria in the topsoil help break it down quicker. Okay. Some sawdust, anything, wood chips, anything like that. Just put layers and you'll have compost way, way faster. And a lot of the cities in multiple, and um, in towns, they have great composting programs, and you can find a lot of information on the website. Absolutely. And the composting program in Saskatoon, I know, they'll actually come out to people's houses and teach you about composting yep. as well, too. And, so. and also right now, the compost uh, places are open. You can actually go and pick compost up there. You, you, only, you have to load it yourself. You can't go there with a the tractor and load it up or nothing, but you can go there and shovel some up and take some compost home. They're from called the com- compost coaches. So yep. if you Google compost coaches in your area, you should find some. Okay, here we go. Um Good morning. Love your show. I have tall ornament grasses, about three feet tall in the flower bed. I leave over winter for decoration, which is awesome. Probably like the Carl, Carl Forrester, Forrester is one that mm-hmm. you'll see mostly common around. Uh, question, how far do I cut it down in the spring and for new regrowth? Well, what do you want to do with your Carl Forrester? I love leaving them up too. That horror frost when yep. it catches it in the winter is stunning and it just sort of adds different textures to your landscape. But cut them right down as far as you can to the ground because that grass is done. It's a, it's a perennial, remember. Perennials die right yep. back to the ground and then it can come up with some fresh new grass there. You know, one little trick you could probably do that make it really go really good also. Now you have to have a bucket of water with you. Okay. Out there. And then you take your, your, cause you gotta be careful because you might have mulch and everything else around with the thing, right? Take, take a torch out there and burn it. Oh, okay. Just like what a, just like a prairie fire. fire would do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially after it's been a whole bunch of years there, but you gotta have a p- couple of pails of water with you because as soon as you burn it, you want to, Douse it. Douse it. So you don't burn the rest of the yard. Yeah, down. you don't want to burn the rest of the yard down. Okay. So, and you don't want to do it on a windy day or anything like that. You got to be calm day. You got to remember spring, um, you know, especially you're out in acreages and that kind of stuff. Just, uh, uh, don't try this at just home, kids. Be careful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> be careful out there. Maybe I shouldn't even have given that recommendation. Oh, father. Your <laughs> so, grandchildren would be so proud. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Valerie from Saskatoon. Hello. Hello. I brought lily plants and planted them in the south facing garden several years ago. Uh, a couple of years, the plants and flowers have been smaller. Uh, can the bulbs be lifted and replanted? 
Uh, definitely. Your yep. lily bulbs, especially your Asiatic lilies, Oriental lilies, they will multiply over the years. So you can lift them and spread them around the yard. What I will usually do is, I because they'll die back to the ground, you can't really figure out where they are. I'll put sort of stakes in the ground so I kind of know approximately where they are. And then make sure you dig a larger area up. It's best to do this when the plant is dormant. So also add some bone meal, mm-hmm. okay? So light sunlight, they need sunlight, yeah. okay? That's important. I had some that uh, I planted, but then the shrubs around it get, got bigger, and mine did the same thing. They got smaller and l- smaller flowers, less flowers, because they were getting more and more shaded and competition from the roots from exactly. other plants. So dig them up, move them to another spot so that they get more sunlight, and also put some bone meal in with the, when you p- transplant them, and then uh, they will just take off again. Okay, so we have here um, Valerie from uh, Watrous. Uh, good morning. We have gooseberries we have planted. Can we cut them down so they're not so leggy? Also have, uh, I think, I think there's a hawthorn. Can we cut that down too? Yes, cut it down as soon as possible. The gooseberries will start to bite out with this warm weather, so you got to do it this weekend. You can trim it back by shaping by at least a third. Okay. So gooseberries, we just, I like to educate our customers yep. a little bit about these because they don't, a lot of people don't know the name. So gooseberries are um, a shrub and they get about four or five feet tall. Well, about yeah, three, three to four, four feet, feet tall. tall. Yep. And uh, they're great because they have lots of good structure in them yep. too. And lots of them- good jam making and those mm-hmm. kind of things and yeah. great plants for that. And so, yeah, so yeah, just make sure you can give them a good trimming. Uh, do it, best to do it in the beginning of April if you can. Uh, that's when you want to give them every year. Just give them a light trimming to keep them from getting leggy each year. I can guess we can get to get to one more here, Jill. Just wondering about Brooks Gold Plum, um, and yet ones without spines on them have yellow fruit. Just wondering about. Um, just wondering if you got oh got your Brooks Gold Plum. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the garden centers now got the their 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 plums and that kind of stuff in. I know we've got our plums in stock already, so uh, the Brook Gold Plum is a good one. You just need a pollinator because you remember that Brooks Gold uh, uh, flowers a little bit earlier than the red plums do, so you need to have a good pollinator for that one as well. That takes us to the break, Jill. You're listening to Rick Van Dijk and Jill Van Dijk on Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning, Saskatchewan. Welcome to the second hour of Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Damendek and my daughter Jill Van Damendek joining you here. Jay's away this weekend. Uh, he was uh, doing the car show, uh, Majestic Car Show in Regina with his car. And so he's having a good time showing off his car there. So he'll be back with us next week. So, But give us a call. We'd like you to join Jill and I at one 333 And you can either give us a call on that number or text. Uh, both will do the same thing. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Before you go to the text, there um, we it was a busy weekend at the garden center, yep. and uh, now you're seeing garden centers open up all across the prairies. Yes, and I'm seeing that we're open now. Signs popping up, and it's exciting to see that. And what you're going to see with Mother's Day coming up this week is uh, a lot of plants that have been started in February, March, and they're blooming and ready to go for the for Mother's Day. Now, what do they do to, to be able to put them outside. Now, and when should they do that? There's something we call hardening off. And a lot of people say, well, what's hardening off? And this is an important thing. If you are an avid gardener and you see maybe your neighbor who's maybe a new gardener and you see them put their plants on their doorstep, give them a little gentle reminder. They they need to go in at nighttime. So putting them out during the day, bringing them in at night. We actually just did a story on our Instagram page yesterday. Um, and it might be even airing today too. But it was about how to water your plant as well. Um, on Mother's Day, we get a lot of these beautiful hanging baskets and they've been grown in the 
greenhouse, usually with a drip line. And then we take them home and we water them and we water them with a water can and sometimes water in the same spot on top and we get a hole in the middle of the basket. Um, so that doesn't look good. So make sure you're lifting up the branches and watering right in. The other thing that's really important is we've been fertilizing and feeding these plant babies continuously. Usually there's water with injectors injecting food into these into these plants. So then you take them home and if they stop being fertilized, there's a few things that happen. The pH is very sensitive on some of these annuals, especially. So it changes the pH and it changes everything. Um, so you're, you'll find your plant will start declining quite quickly. So make sure that you grab some fertilizer and you continue to fertilize it. Um, give it a lot of sunlight, put it out during the day, bring it in at night and do some trimming and pruning on it from now until the May long weekend. You'll have a fuller plant all summer long. I just remember, like, it is May 1st, it is Saskatchewan, even though it's going to be very warm this next week. Starting Wednesday, we're going to be up into the 20s. And so everybody's going to say, I want to get my garden going. And uh, so just making sure the temperature of the ground is warm enough. Normally, I like to say, when I see all the shrubs all put out their leaves, then I know the soil temperature is starting to get warmer, okay? Yeah. That's important. A lot of the farmers, they also use the bluffs in, in the round the fields. That's how they know when it's time to seed because with all that mulch in, in the bluffs, it takes a little longer for the frost to come out, right? So when they start all budding out, they know that the soil temperature is warm enough to put in. So. And remember your frost tolerant plants like your pansies and kale, frost tolerant only means that you have to still harden them off. They've yep. been tender and grown in a greenhouse. So harden them off for a week or yep. so. Then you can plant those early plants for spring and then have some frost blanket on hand so you can cover them on those cold Because even pansies like it cool. But I mean, Me you go right from a greenhouse outside and it's going to be like only plus one or zero at night. Then they're going to go into shock. They're going to go into shock. Okay. So anyways, we, let's get to some of these uh, uh, calls. How do I keep rabbits from eating the tulips? We had that question last week too. Yeah, so it's a, that's a tricky one because yeah. tulips are so sweet; they just really enjoy the the tulips. So I don't know if Rotor Ritter would get rid of them at all. There's one called Critter Ritter. Critter Ritter, not Critter Ritter. <laughs> Critter Ritter works good. Uh, the putting around them that, that'll help keep them away. Um, a, a good dog. <laughs> That's yeah. outside. Yeah, some uh, people say even if you have a city, cat. In the cities, I mean, there's lots of, there's jackrabbits everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, where they, they're all over the place. And so they'll love those tulips just coming up. And uh, and so otherwise you have to put a little fence around them, just a short little fence around them just to uh, keep them away too. And um, so just so it makes it tough to get at. But Critter Ritter or it can use garlic, uh, like this, uh, it's called Mosquito Barrier. Yeah. It's a concentrated gar uh, garlic. They don't like the smell of that as well. So there's other things you can use uh, to keep them away, but uh, probably that Critter Ritter or Bobex is another uh, product that you might be able to find out there. Both of the ones uh, will work good for that. But other than that, it's it's tough other than putting a little fence around them. Okay, Jill, here we go. Uh, my lilies are starting to poke through the ground. I was wondering if I could split them. Now it would be better to do that in the fall. I want to transplant some in a different area. My daughter wants some. Just wondering what the best time to do it. Well, you don't want to do it right now. They've already sort of set up their shoots. And if you break off the tips of those shoots, you're not going to get any blooms yep. this year. So unless yep. you don't care if you're getting any blooms, you can do yep. it now. But I would wait for those plants to be dormant. Now, if they die back down in the fall, I tend to put some stakes in there so that once they once they really go dormant, then I know where they are and I can dig them up. Yeah. So, yeah. So in the fall, great time to transplant them. 
uh, or otherwise early next spring, spring, early spring. You're going to do it as soon as the frost out of the ground. So, you know, usually in different parts of the provinces, they still got frost on the ground yet, mm-hmm. right? So you can still do them yet for some of them. But some of the other places where they're starting to pop up, uh, then, yeah, just leave them now until fall. And That's- then make sure when you dig the new hole, you plant them uh, about um, four to six inches deep and put some nice bone meal in the bottom of yep. the hole to give them some, some nutrients and energy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here we go. Um, I got Jeanette from Regina. My cherry tree, Romeo and Crimson cherry tree, have not produced. They are five years old, um, and I've fertilized like you recommended. Any suggestions? Now you got to remember, sour cherries will get a, sometimes a few berries on, but it takes about five years for them to mature enough to start getting their their berries. So make sure you, if you want to fertilize now, use now uh, rather than give them a pruning. I still do it right now because if you do it quickly, I'd like normally what I pruned about two weeks ago. Thin them out a little bit if they're really bushy. That pruning will give them a bit of a shock. And uh, so don't do a major pruning, just a light pruning. Just thin them out a little bit and... Um, That'll give them a bit of a shock and also add a, what is called a fruit and berry fertilizer. So it's very, very low nitrogen because I don't want lots of nitrogen, but it has all the other micronutrients in it. And a good one is made by the company called Dirt and Grow uh, or Evolve. And it's called a uh, fruit and berry fertilizer and it works good for those all, all fruiting type of plants. Okay, so um, now there was another one that calcium and and sulfur in it as well. There was another one made by Evolve that you said that it's great as a booster if you're having any troubles with your plants. Would that be something you use too? Yeah, you could use that one. That's more plants. Is is um, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. I couldn't remember last week. That's Rage Plus. Rage, Rage, Rage Plus. Yeah, that's another one. It's a good one too. Uh, That's for plants that are that are struggling and that kind of stuff. But her plant sounds like it's growing. It's just not fruiting. Yeah. Okay. So the berry berry went fruit. Very one would be good one. Don't mm-hmm. use a twenty twenty twenty. Don't use a thirty ten ten. Give it a slight pruning and do that every spring early, like in a- beginning of April. Okay. Would she maybe want to ch- test her pH of her soil and make sure that's yeah, good she can too? do that too. She might need to add a little bit of sulfur to the soil, but mm-hmm. uh, that shouldn't be too much of an issue. But it could be. So um, uh, here we go. I have old. Here's a uh, a caller it says I have uh, I have old fruit trees that have coral fungal spots. If I remove them, um, can I plant new fruit trees in the same spot or will they become immediately affected? Um, they could be infected. I would suggest leaving it for at least one year. What's coral fungus spot? It, it's, um, it sounds like uh, they might have uh, uh, cedar, uh, called juniper cedar rust. So it almost looks like orange patchiness orange along patchiness, the stems. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So if it's on an apple tree or something like that, uh, I'm not sure what type of fruit tree she has. But, uh, Again, but apple trees don't like spores, right? apple trees don't like to be planted in the same mm-hmm. spot the mm-hmm. the same year. Okay, that you took one out, they just don't like it for some reason. So you have to give it a rest. Other fruit trees are not so bad, other than if there's any spores in the ground, that'd be the issue. So that's why I'd like to leave it for one year or just plant in a different spot. Okay, one more quick one, Jill. Uh, my question: I have petunias that are just getting their third set of leaves. Missed your advice on how to get them to bush out, Brenda from Young. Oh, the third set of leaves is exactly the time that you want to pinch them. So make sure you just pinch out that top um, third set of leaves right down to the second set of leaves, and they'll be bushy and beautiful in no time. Okay, we have uh, Darren and Rose on the line waiting for us. We're going to go to a quick break, and we've got some other texts as well. We're going to go to a very quick break here, and then we're going to get back to Darren and Rose on the line. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. 
Good morning. You're welcome to Garden Talk. I'm Rick Van Davendek and Jill Van Davendek here today answering all your gardening calls and texts. one 877 And I just want to say, you know, on the text line, we've been getting lots of condolences and thank you for your for your tribute to your mom that we did at the beginning of the show. Uh, my mother, anybody just joining us right now, my, my mother, the, the co-founder of Dutch Growers, passed away this last uh, Sunday. And uh, so she will be missed, but she had a wonderful life and 91 years old. And, uh, and a huge legacy. And a huge legacy for, for building up Dutch Growers. And uh, now and you see Dutch Growers in Regina and Saskatoon, and the family was all together with their... 14 six, grandchildren yep. and 14 great-grandchildren. Yep. Six kids all around her. Uh, my father was there, and we all were there uh, when she passed last Sunday morning. And uh, so thank you for all again for all the little tributes everybody's been... Uh, given the text to here. We're going to get right to the calls here right now. we got Darren here in Saskatoon. Good morning, Darren. Hi, how are you today? Very good. Good. I've got um, plans to develop some uh, large evergreens on my acreage, and the, the problem is that the soil on the acreage is quite clay and stony. So what I've had, I've had excavators uh, dig holes, yep. and they're about oh four by four, maybe a little bit wider, and about the same depth. Okay. So far, and the trees that I'm getting are going to be eight to ten feet. Can you give me some advice as to how to get them started and what the immediate care after planting would be like? Okay, so yeah, just making sure um, that that's awesome that you did that. You're going to plant into those plugs where you put topsoil, right? Yeah. You got to remember, depending on eight to ten feet tall, uh, a lot of that soil is going to disappear because you're you're going to use a tree spade, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah. So now, depending on the size of the tree spade, it was only you said four feet wide. You said. So the whole well, the holes I had dug with a backhoe, so yep. like they're they're large and deep. They're probably deeper than what they they need to be for the trees, I think. Yep. Um, so, but how um, wide were they? The holes? Uh, well, the holes are. I mean, they're circular. They're probably no, no, no. I mean, what you dug with the excavator? Oh, yeah. The holes with the excavator are about five feet wide. Okay. Because because your 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 tree spade is going to be at least forty four inches or fifty four inches wide. Okay. Yep. At the top. Yeah. And it goes down to a point. Okay, yep. and so uh, so that's good. If you have lots of good soil that they can grow into, you just yep. want to make, if you want to get them good good start on them, uh, use a, a, a root booster or some kind of a even a, a fertilizer like groundskeeper. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. like that groundskeeper fertilizer, which does a sixteen uh, ten, which is phosphorus, will help the root system going right. Yep. But also, what for your evergreens for your soil, what it also has in it. Because um, you're from the Saskatoon area, yep. is it also has sulfur and and iron in it? Okay, yep. and lowering the pH is going to be huge for those plants to uptake nutrients. Yeah. Okay. So I am going to amend the like I'm going to add some topsoil uh, along with the with the with the trees. So I'm I'm going to have these uh, um, topsoil besides the clay and stuff that they're going into. So yep. I'm sort of build sort of a bed for them around that before yep. I put them in. Just don't put too much soil on if if you're going to do that make sure that when you plant your 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 soil in your your ball into the ground yeah. from the tree spade don't bury it down deep, okay? If you're going to yeah, build soil going. around them because if yeah. you bury if you if you if you uh, if the tree spade goes right down to the level ground like it was around it and then yeah. you build soil up around it that's not good for the roots, okay? Yes. Okay, you so, can also use a product called Mike as well, yep, too. Yeah, yep. And you're probably familiar with those mycorrhizomes. They will help it soak up a bunch of nutrients. But the most important thing after you get your tree planted is making sure you have access to water, water. in the area. Yep. Yeah, so they'll be close enough I can water them uh, quite handily. And I guess... Uh, 
for a tree that size, how much water should you give them when you first put them in the ground? Uh, when you first start, give them a good soak, um, yeah. and so that uh, so that the the water the soil around them gets watered as well as that root ball. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that initial one should be a good soak, so you do everything around it. Uh, yep. One thing nice about it, when you do a plug, the soil is going to be kind of the same of what's around it. It'll be a little mm-hmm. bit different because because the where they were dug from, yep. but uh, but it, it will it will the roots will go out into that soil very quickly. So okay. within about a month or so, they'll be out and around there. So just keep them moist. Don't overwater them. Yep. Uh, probe your soil with a piece of rebar mm-hmm. to make sure it's moist but not wet. Okay. okay. Should I throw any mulch or peat or anything like that yeah. into the soil? Uh, just on top of the soil to keep the moisture there and keep the weeds down. So but again, don't, don't go too far up the trunk with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah keep you can go three inches wider out, but not right up against the trunk three inches. Okay. Sounds okay. Good. I remember last yeah. summer you spent a lot of time with mom with the water truck watering your new oh, trees. Oh yes, lots, lots of time. Okay, we got Rose in Saskatoon. Good morning, Rose. Uh, good morning. Uh, I I have some dwarf cranberry uh, shrubs, yep. and they're getting kind of old and woody and whatnot. Um, how can I rejuvenate them? Can I cut out the the dead stuff? Yep, absolutely. There are some new shoots and whatnot. Yep. Leave those new shoots. Just cut out the old shoots. Do that this weekend because it's getting late. Uh, normally, I like to do that at the beginning of April. Okay. okay, that's when you should be doing it, or or uh, otherwise in October, end of October, and basically once the leaves drop off in the fall. Okay, okay, or otherwise very very beginning of April or even the last week of March. Okay, depending on much snow this year, whether they get at them or not. But you can take some of those old ones out. Do it this weekend because after this weekend they're going to start budding out like crazy. Okay. Yeah, there are a few buds, but the the old wood isn't looking very healthy. Yeah. No, take you can take those out this weekend and let the new ones come up and start for fertilizing pretty soon and they'll fill right back out again what kind of fertilizer do they like uh just uh with those ones there uh for the fruit wise uh just use a 20 20 20 okay that'll work good okay and i'd like to express my condolences on the passing of, of your mom yeah thank you very much she yeah. sounds like she was an amazing woman oh she was an, a very amazing woman a very very amazing thank you very much for your call okay yeah, thank bye-bye. you Lots of calls on the call line right now. Yes. I see it's lighting up it's here, lighting up so like we're going to get to everybody's calls here. Ryan at Round Lake. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Rick. Uh, also, I'd like to give my condolences to you and your family on the loss of your mom. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and actually that's kind of part of the reason for my call. I just uh, lost my dad a few months ago, and uh, one thing that I wanted to do to kind of honor him is I wanted to plant a tree. Yes. And uh, so I live down at Round Lake in the Capel Valley yep. and down in southeast Saskatchewan. We've got a lakefront lot uh, south-facing, Yes. So it's, uh, so it gets lots of sun. It's pretty windy. Uh, we've got a few um, native elm trees uh, in the yard yep. that probably I would maybe look at uh, planting a new tree kind of in the same area yep. as those if it works. So I just wondered if you had any suggestions about what would be some good trees to, for something like that. Like I know it's something I'm doing for my kids and my grandkids. I, I may not live long to see a full mature tree, but just wanted to have a nice one. If, if you want something that's a legacy tree, put a bur oak. Okay. okay. It's a little that's slower fine. growing, but it'll live for 150 years. Okay, or more. So that's one thing is good. You don't want to put an elm. Copal Valley does have Dutch elm disease in it. Okay, so yeah. You don't want to put another elm in there. Uh, another tree you could put in there that's a really nice tree is a linden, and that one would be a good one too. Now the ones I'd put in there, one is called True North, is a very nice one, or another one is called Dropmore Linden. Dropmore. Yeah, Linden or True North. Okay. 
those are three trees that I think, um, like I said, the, the oak is the one that'll last for many, many generations. I find when they get started, the oak trees, they aren't the prettiest tree when they like just Actually, are starting. I, they got some beautiful, beautiful. You have some beautiful ones yeah, this year? Absolutely. I so, remember planting one in my yard and it took a really long time to get going. Well, like you said, once it got going, Once it, it sets its taproot down, they're, they're basically drought resistant as well because they send oh, a okay. taproot straight down. That's why they do so well. Okay. And do you guys have those in your Regina store? Yep. The uh, yep. Just about every garden center will have a bur oak. It's, okay. uh, yeah, no, it's a, a common plant. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really Thanks appreciate for it. Your have call. a great day. Okay, Jill, we have, uh, we're going to be going to a break right away here again. We might as well uh, head to that just right away. We've got, uh, we have maybe a quick one here. Uh, I want to propagate a Virginia creeper. I'm going to put vines in the water and buds starting to open. Will they start to root or is there a different method? No, the waterway is good. Or you can take a softwood cutting with some root hormone. That works good as well. Stick but, it in soil. Keep the soil nice and yep. moist and keep but, it watered but and some Put them in the water or you can take a, a root cutting from the base as well. They'll do good. This is Garden Talk on 650 CCOM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. This is Jill Vandavik and Rick Vandavik. We're going to get right to the calls right now because we got the six lined up here right now. We're going to get to all of them. We're going to do a rapid round here. Brian in Saskatoon. Good morning. Thank you for waiting for us. Your Good morning. Uh, my condolences as well and I Thank love you. you guys' show. Thank you. Now I've got uh, I'm a newer gardener two years. I built a large uh, above ground flower bed, uh, garden bed. Yep. Now I was going to build another one. Crazy price of lumber. I went the route of buying a bunch of big 24 inch pots when they were on, blowing them out last year. Yep. I also bought a bunch of bags of black earth. Now along with that black earth. Do I add into that, like peat moss, and if I do, what would the ratio be? Now, it's really important you don't just use black earth. It's important that you do a one-third, one-third, one-third mixture. You want to do either peat moss or coca core with topsoil, and then you want to add perlite, which is the little white flecks that you can put in the soil. You want to layer those in. And you can use black and soil at the bottom, especially just to give it the pot to. a bit of weight, too. But you know? adding that coco core um, or that peat moss to it is going to make them light. It's really important you do that because if you don't, you're going to have problems and that soil is going to be hard as rock. Or you can also use in the top, there is a vegetable, a vegetable and herb mix that you can just plant straight into that in the top six inches. Yeah, okay. I would suggest even if you wanted to use some of the, the triple mix, we call it, of what you're making yourself, but use a nice garden soil. It has some great wetting agents in it. Um, with pots, um, it's best to use a good potting mix. It dries evenly from top to bottom, and you, you need to have a good soil. What happens, Brian, you use straight topsoil, especially at the top of your pot, it'll go rock hard on you. And then your plants okay, will so do you use a pure light peat moss and topsoil? Yeah, 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 it has to be really porous, like light mix at the top. Okay? About one and third, I, one third, one third is your ratio. And you don't mix that up, you just layer it? No, you mix it mix together. It, mix it together. Okay, and also quickly too, uh, what would I ask off the get-go for my small plants? Would I use for fertilizer? Do I add calcium or what? Yeah, yeah. Add use a, like for your for your vegetables and that. Use a bone meal if you want to add some calcium as well. But also there's there's lots of uh, slow release fertilizers you can put on top so that waters a little bit each time that has calcium in it. There's uh, there's some good ones out there from Dirt and Grow as well, which uh, which has calcium built in and just releases a little bit of fertilizer every time because when you have that soilless mix, uh, the plants will need lots of nutrients to be really good. But that first fertilizer that you use, there's there's fertilizers you can get called. 
to transplant fertilizer. Just do one dose of that is perfect, and then go back to your regular fertilizers. Okay. Yeah, what do you think of that miracle Grow? Does that stuff work? Yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, you can use that, but it, it, miracle Grow only has nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. That's all it has. And so okay. we, using some of the other stuff will give you all your boron, cal, you know, calcium, especially calcium is huge, what the plant does, and miracle Grow doesn't have calcium, okay? So be great, guys. Thanks a lot. Have a great Thanks day. Thanks for the call. Okay, we're going to go to here. Uh, let's go to uh, Lynn and Regina. Good morning, Lynn. Good morning. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks. I, I was given a patio uh, tomato in a little pot. Yep. Uh, my balcony is on the north side. Yep. And I'm wondering how good this tomato will actually do out on that patio on the north side. On well, the north side, you don't have a lot much, how much. Are you getting morning sun or evening sun? Oh, uh, evening. Yeah, as long as you get about three hours of sunlight, that's at least three hours of sunlight. That's the minimum. Okay. Ideally, a tomato plant needs eight to ten hours yeah, of sunlight but, to be able to produce. So you're not going to get as much fruit as you would in that yeah, area. Right. If you have right. a south or west exposure, um, it's even better, or an east at the very least. But a north side of the house is not ideal. On the north okay. side of your house, you'd be more apt to plant your herbs, um, some leafy leafy vegetables, <coughs> those types of things. Um, okay, and, can and, I can I plant uh, say a, a few chives around that tomato? Uh, around the tomato, if right. your pot is large enough, you could. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay, we're going to go right here to, let's go to uh, Cindy in Asquith. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning. I'm uh, rooting some poplars and willows right now in water buckets, yep. and I'm wondering if I should put them in soil, in pots, to harden them off. Yep, Absolutely. Okay, and about how long does it take to harden them off? Not long. Okay. Probably probably a week to week ten to days. fourteen ten to fourteen days. Okay. And what kind of fertilizer should I use when I plant them into the uh, into the ground? Yeah, do you use a uh, like even with a fertilizer you can just use uh, like I said a bone meal, it works really good. You can just mm-hmm. a light fertilizer, not with not something with a high nitrogen, okay? okay. Lower first number. You can okay. go with a higher phosphorus for one, for the first watering, yep. and then that really gets those roots going yep. as well, too. Okay. okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Okay, we also have uh, Garth from Moose Jaw. Good morning, Garth. Good morning. Yeah. I have a couple questions. One is about my raspberry patch. Uh, the advice is to cut out the older canes. How do you tell which ones are the older canes? That's the ones that fruited last year, okay? So you always, I always say you took out the third-year canes. Okay, so you'll see them. The, the the bark will be more split a little bit and a little grayer. Okay, and you'll see okay. them. So we always take out the third year canes or the ones that produced last year because then you had some new ones come up this year, last year that like came up a sucker around them. Those ones will right. pr- those what they came up last year they'll produce this year. Okay. Okay. So all, then 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 there'll be another one. There'll be some other little ones that popped up as well. They'll be the ones that'll be producing next the year after that so we're going to start painting our branches and yeah, no, you, you'll be able to these? tell once you get into it, you'll see the oldest get the oldest ones out for sure and then that will re- help rejuvenate and keep your patch not so it doesn't get so so thick and bushy and and, and you can actually and access actually, your, berries. Actually your berries okay and uh they don't produce as well as i think they should uh yeah. maybe my fertilizer program what do you recommend yeah Good comp, mix a compost into the soil around them, or where I talked about earlier, that fruit and berry um, uh, fertilizer that has all the, the calcium and, and, and sulfur and, and boron, magnesium. It has all those other things in them. That's huge for the raspberries. Okay. It's called fruit so and berry. 
I'm an old farmer and I just grab some of my nitrogen fertilizer mix with the sulfur in it and yep. fire that around and I throw a little foss on so maybe I should be adding a little bit but, extra micros. Eh? But you got to remember, add the micros, but what's your, what's your nitrogen? Uh, your, it's about a 37 yeah, zero, zero, that's, seven. that's too high, okay? okay. You're, you're putting that high is going to make your, your plants say not to produce as much. Okay, so you only want a, a nitrogen, so you have to make sure so that that nitrogen is only around a 10. 10 okay? to 15. Uh, 10 to 15. Way too high of a nitrogen. Okay. For, for, for berry Thank plants, okay? Thank you. You're and the second question, yep. poplar cuttings. Yes. Uh, I, I nipped some off here last week. Yep. Put them in a pail in water with yep. a rooting compound. Yep. Uh, do I have to wait till they show roots or just stick them in the ground when I get around to it? Either way. You can stick them in the ground right now if you want to, if you've got some moisture in the ground, and they'll root by themselves, or otherwise you can root them and just have, and plant them out later. You can do it either way, honestly. As, as long, long as you've got you, moisture. If it's bone dry out there, then uh, then you want to be careful. Yeah, you'll want to make sure you have either some bumps on those stems or a little bit of root, yep. and then you have to give them moisture afterwards. Yep. So you don't recut them or anything, you just put them in where you cut from the branch? Yep. As long as there's about right. a, there's, yeah, they'll be fine. They'll, they'll, they'll start budding out from the little nodules in the stems. That's where they'll start budding out. Okay. Where the, where the leaves were. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Your show is very high quality, and I think it's a direct reflection uh, on the matriarch of uh, Dutch growers. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you very you. much. Okay, we're gonna, uh, we have a, we're gonna go to a quick text here, Jill. How do I trim up a hibiscus? Mary Lou from North Portal, Saskatchewan. Well, I have some beautiful hibiscus in my front yard, yep. and I find that I sort of leave them up, and in the spring, I trim, trim off the blooms and about a third of the plant. Okay, there you go. So don't be afraid. They no. love to be trimmed. Thank you. We got Larry, another Larry, and Helen on the line. We're gonna go to a quick news break. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CQM and 980 CJME. Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Rick Van Davendek and my daughter Jill Van Davendek here. one 332 Call or text one 332 We're going to go right to the calls here right now because Larry here has been waiting for a bit. Uh, so we got two Larrys. Larry from Saskatoon. Good morning. How are good you morning. today, Rick? Very good. Good. I have a question for you. Uh, in my front yard, uh, I have a hedge basically there. Uh, of globe cedars. They're about 20 years old. They're yep. about seven feet high and about six feet in diameter. Yep. And I was wondering when the best time of the year is to trim them. You could prune them right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. They don't start really growing until June. But yeah. You can only prune them in so you still see green. If you prune them in so you just have sticks, then you might as well rip them out and start again. Yeah. Okay. All right. But you can do it right away. Okay. Very good. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. Bye. And we have here, let's go right to Larry and Osler. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Uh, I have a question on straw for working into the garden Yep. before planting. Yes, you can do that, absolutely. Just don't put a, a, a lot, okay? Just put, it, just put enough so that you can work it into the soil because otherwise you put too much, uh, then especially cause it's not, if it's not composted, it'll actually start robbing nutrients and nitrogen from your other plants, okay? So just work it in right. and it'll help, help loosen up your soil so it doesn't go hard on you. That's the one thing nice about it. But just put a, just a thin layer and then rototill it in, okay? And then, uh, that's the best way. And you can, if you want, you can use a straw on top of the soil to actually help hold the moisture in. And then also, uh, um, uh, so that the plants, you know, and it keeps the weeds down as well. 
All right, and with rutabaga, do worms bother rutabaga? Rutabaga, the worms will bo- they can bother them, yes, um, but uh, it that's it depends on your area. Some places have no problems at all, and some places have lots of problems. So it, it all depends on your on your area you're in. Have you had problems with that before? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, so. Yeah, it's it's a root vegetable. So that what you can use on on your on your them, you could use the 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 what's called grub out. It's a nematode, which goes after a lot of the grubs and those kind of things in your soil. Uh, but other than that, um, there's not much you can do. But just making sure that you plant in a different location every year, and you can also use a crop cover. Okay, so it keeps the adults from flying and catching onto the plants. Okay, so either way. Hey, great. Really enjoy your program. I learn entirely too much. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And we're going to go to Helen and Wadina. Good morning, Helen. Uh, good morning. I, I, had a, I got a, a little a blueberry shrub last year, Yes. and I planted it in the garden, yep. but it didn't do good. It just maybe was too hot or whatever. It just kind of grew, and then it kind of died back, and then grew again a bit. So work, what's, what's the best location for that uh, Blueberry, blueberry like to be in the sun, okay? Okay. And um, so that's one. That's a big one. And they also need to have. Uh, you need to acidify the soil, okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. So you need to add some aluminum sulfate around the plant, okay? Uh-huh. So it's just a little plant, right? Right now. Yes. Yes. So you'd probably add about a, a quarter cup full and spread it evenly around about a two foot to two three foot area around the plant, uh-huh. half a cup full. Uh-huh. And then do that three times a year, okay? Once uh, once now, once in the middle of summer, once toward fall. And you just work it into the soil? Just work it into the top part of the soil and just water it in. Uh, what did you say? What kind of a... It's, it's called aluminum sulfate. Aluminum sulfate. Yeah, okay. that's important. And also one thing to remember, if you only have one blueberry, uh-huh. okay, it won't produce for you. You have, need to have a second one. Oh, it has to cro- it has to cross pollinate unless you got one. We were selling some blueberries that have multiple plants in one pot, uh-huh. but if you just got one type, like uh, North Country or North Sky or North Blue or Patriot, uh-huh. though, if you just got one of those, they won't produce unless you get a second one. And it's oh. really important you keep them watered. You might have seen a decline because we had such a hot summer yeah. last year. So uh-huh. uh, make sure you keep it watered and stick that sort of rebar or your finger right down to the soil about three to four inches and make sure it's dry. It's wet. It's moist and moist. moist down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Also, uh, the, uh, the alfalfa pellets, if yes. I make mix up a mixture and I have some uh, water left, can it still be used later on? Yep, absolutely. Just if you leave it too long, it goes moldy on you. That's the only thing. Oh, yeah. But, but you can but, still use it. It starts to stink after a while if you leave it too long. Right. Okay. Yeah, but it's not going to lose any nutrients nope, or anything. No, nope. okay. it'll be fine. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. You're Thanks welcome. for your call. Enjoy your program. Thank Bye-bye. you. Wow, that was a lot of phone calls, Jill. That we was, have a lot of texts to get to, and this is the last segment, so we're so, going to do kind of a little bit of a... Do, and then we're going to answer the rest of them. Uh, uh, we're going to answer the rest of them afterwards. Um, we're going to go through. My lilies are starting to poke through the ground. I was wondering if I could split them now or better do it in the fall. So I think we answered that one already, Again, Jill. wait until they're dormant. Yep. Either do them early spring before they sprout or later in the fall. 
can you remind me, as Ernie from Saskatoon, can you remind me on what I put on the grass where the pine needles grow so that so the grass will grow? Now, that is usually a, a moisture problem more than anything. Yeah, that's so, right. so if you, even if you build up the soil, the roots are going to go more to the surface where the moisture is. So, so make sure you rake up, rake up first all, as many of the pine needles out as you can because mm-hmm. they're making it so that this, your grass seed can't get down. And then use a, what is called a, a, a shade blend of grass seed. Okay, that'll be important to use that. Don't use your regular sun grass seed. Use more of a shade blend because it's more Kentuckys and they can tolerate that a lot better. Right underneath the tree, it's not going to work. Just put mulch. But if it's right around the outside edge, use more of the shade blend. It'll do better there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Michelle in North Battleford, can you explain the difference between needle cast and spider mite damage on evergreens? Last year I had suffered from the drought. And one row, uh, several dead needles covering the ground and also the branches that look like something's eaten the foliage. Um, okay. So there's two, if it looks like they're eating the foliage, you, you might have, you might have, um, um, two things. One is, uh, it's, it's a worm. Okay. It eat all the new growth. Okay. And there's also a sawfly that goes after the new growth and that's a worm as well. So then you have to spray with ambush. Uh, spider might work from the inside from the bottom up and out, okay? They suck on the needles and they drop the needles on the inside. Needle cast, you're going to see brown happening throughout the tree all the way up to the top and it'll start spreading like crazy, okay? And it also discolors like the second year needles usually yes. too. You're yeah. not seeing as much no, of the you're new seeing growth. Not just a new growth, you'll see the whole, mm-hmm. all the growth starting to turn brown with needle cast. And also if you look with a magnifying glass, you'll see little brown or black fruiting bodies on the needles. So it's damaged spots that's usually scattered, but yeah. it's very uniform yeah. for it's, needle cast. And it, it spreads like wildfire, go right down. So make sure that to for all those ones, make sure you get water to them. Even have to take your tank truck out there and water the plants this summer, and then also put some fertilizer on there. Um, like like we talked that groundskeeper lawn fertilizer, or if you have a if you're on a farm, use your same fertilizer that you would normally use for your canola crops and that. So it's an elemental sulfur based fertilizer, and you can put up to 100 pounds of N per acre one time around the plants and make sure you do it just before rain. And spider mite causes similar discoloration, but yep. usually more it will, gray on it the inside. Defoliate the, the on the inside on and the out. Yeah. Okay. Not right to the tips. Usually. Okay. Okay. How are we doing for time here, Joe? We, we got, got a little few, bit of time. Let's seven, keep okay. going. Uh, have a huge evergreen that's twenty feet high beside our deck. It drips a horrendous amount of sap on the deck. I wanted to get rid of the tree. Is there anything I could do to keep it from... I don't want to get rid of the tree. Is there any way I keep it from sapping? Um, usually, if you got, if they're sapping a lot, it usually mean, it could mean that you might have an aphid infestation. And what they do is they suck on the needles and they excrete the sap. Okay, Or it could be a high spider mite. So the best thing to do is you get... Get rid of the insects, and usually you'll get rid of the sap issue. Okay, that's that's huge for evergreens. So if it's spider mite, sorry, you have to use a product called malathion. If it's aphids, you can use ambush. Okay, as a product to use. Well, Mother's Day is coming, and oh, the show is coming to a close. So make sure you take this week. Um, appreciate your mothers. Get into the garden centers um, and enjoy a little bit of spring. Well, that's it for the show for today. We'll see you next week. I'm Rick Van Davidek and Jill Van Davidek. You're listening to Garden Doc on 650 CQM and 980 CJME.